Hello and welcome to Unbossed. I'm rocking because I'm really feeling the intro today. But I'm feeling it today. I don't know, there's some tech glitches going on. So please pardon my stunt double here. So yeah, welcome to the show and it's Friday. So you know what happens on Friday. We got the one and only Mayor Mondale Robinson in the house. And so happy to have you, Mayor. It is a blessing to our show and to our viewers to have you as a part of the TYT team, period. And hopefully people are watching your videos over there on the HQ. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. And you know, already you know that whenever I'm in your presence, I'm better. So thank you so much for having me. And it is Friday, let's get it. Let's get it. Thank you, Mayor, so much. So today, the mayor and I will be covering media coverage of white shooters is so often whitewashed. Yeah, they cover black people and other people of color a little differently than they cover us. And meanwhile, regulators stiffed low income communities in Silicon Valley bank bailout. Should be no surprises there, but we should be disgusted by it. And Make sure that we don't just accept this as a as a good thing. And later in the show, in Dead of the Night, how DeSantis, that is Governor DeSantis, aka DeSanctimonious, signed near total abortion ban into law. We got a lot to cover today. I want to give a big, big, big shout out to Adrian Lawrence for stepping in and holding it down for me. Uh, yesterday, I really appreciate her every time she's subbing in. She does such an extraordinary job, and please make sure you send Adrian some love. So we're gonna get right into this whitewash coverage of white shooters. I want you to take a look at this. Connor Sturgeon. This past Monday morning entered Old National Bank in downtown Louisville with a rifle and opened fire on employees and innocent bystanders. Connor killed five people and injured eight others. He was then shot and killed by law enforcement in a standoff. Connor also live streamed his mass shooting on Instagram. And although Connor committed mass murder, the headlines reported him with phrasing such as star high school athlete, popular sportsman, popular students. Yep, that's what they did. They do that when it comes to white shooters. They try to avoid the fact and not just shooters, killing folks. So you can't make this stuff up. And if that video was moving too fast for you, here's an example of those headlines. Louisville shooter Connor Surgeon seemed like a normal person. Ain't that something? Louisville shooter Connor Surgeon was star athlete but suffered multiple concussions and this Daily Beast, breaking 23 year old Connor Surgeon was a former varsity hoop star and finance grad turned banker who had reportedly been fired from his job in recent days. One former friend described him as a popular kid in high school. And there you have it, the whitewashing of Connor Surgeon, Bishop Talbert. Swan pointed this out on Twitter in such a very powerful way. Just how asinine this kind of media coverage is and the blatant racist double standards that come with it. Let's take a look at the Bishop's tweet. The media shapes racialized perceptions of crime by humanizing white murderers and demonizing black victims. Trayvon Martin was murdered. They wanted you to know he had marijuana in his system. Connor Surgeon murdered five people. They wanted you to know he was a star athlete. And believe your lying eyes, cuz they not lying. But just in case, let me read that head, these two headlines for you that appeared in the New York Post. The one headline, Trayvon Martin had traces of marijuana in his system at the time of death, autopsy reveals. And then the other New York Post headline, Louisville shooter Connor Sturgeon was star athlete, but suffered multiple concussions. I mean, Mayor, we can't make this stuff up. This is real. This happens time and time again, over and over again. I mean, thank God in some ways technology allows us to get this message out quicker and in a deeper way. But this has been going on for decades, for centuries, actually. Yeah, centuries is a great great way to put it because we have to acknowledge that. I mean, it's not just this shooter, it's Cal Rittenhouse who walked past police officers after he murdered people with the gun, the long rifle that he used, the assault weapon that he used to murder people. Even though he wasn't from the community, he came there just to kill people. And if people don't believe me, why would you bring so many bullets? Why would you bring a magazine that could have so much capacity if it wasn't your mission? So I think when we sit and look in this space, we are reminded that America has a 
real high tolerance for the death of black people, armed or unarmed, because it is disgusting how they covered Trayvon Martin, George Floyd, and so many others. When we talk about the death of black people and how we cover it in the media and let white people slide, slide, slide in how the world chooses. We can see it even how they prosecuted Donald Trump. There'll be no pictures, there'll be no recording, there'll be no live recordings of Donald Trump's mugshot, him being arrested or arraigned. And yet and still, when black people are arrested or arraigned, everything they've ever done or might have done, juvenile or not, is put on the TV to be accused and also taint the jury pool. Yeah, that's exactly right. No perp walk for the former president at all. I'm saying this must be a new standard. So people should demand this standard moving forward. Yeah, really. Do you think, I mean, I just don't think America really gets it. And we're seeing that the way that our justice system, so called justice system, treats black people. So yeah, you're absolutely right. I think America as an institution, as a system, and also the white majority does not get it. And it's, they don't get it by design. They don't get it by design. It's their job to not see whiteness. It's invisible because they want it to be that way. And blackness is criminal because they want it to be that way. Yeah, there were some uh, lyrics and I, I wanna say it was Ice Cubes. One of Ice Cubes raps, my skin is my sin. Mm. That's deep, that's really serious and, and it's deep. And at some point there has to be a reckoning in this country. Remember, we cannot continue to tell these kinds of stories decades after decades. The same story, just different faces. But it, it, the narrative remains the same in this country. We have a legal system that is working exactly how it was designed. And it was designed to not see or to dehumanize a black people. And it doesn't matter what century we're in, it still remains the fact in the 21st century. We know it was so in the 20th century, in the 19th century, 18th century. And it still remains that way today. So we need some truth and reconciliation in this country. One thing about South Africa and all is not well there for black Africans by any stretch of the imagination. They did though have a truth and reconciliation session. Now they need to make that more real. Well, we haven't even done that. In the United States, people deny that these things are happening because they don't want to face the truth. They can't handle the truth. I remember in a few good men that line, you know, where the the general he said the truth, you can't handle the truth, and that is the moment that we continuously find ourselves in in this country. Listen, this this is wrong. I mean, so when you're murdered, you're still considered some type, you know, suspect. They did the same thing to Michael Brown. You know, the same thing. And it's one thing to bring somebody to justice and let them have to justice, let them have their day in court. It's another thing to to say that it's okay for police officers to be judge, jury, and executioner. That is not okay. And we know that there are some circumstances. Those circumstances should be rare. By and large, the job of police officers, people on the ground, is to bring that person in and let the courts decide what needs to take place. We also know in the court, the, the legal system itself, we talk a lot, Mary, just your thoughts about this. We talk a lot as a country, we're always on law enforcement and we should be because that's the first interface. But in my judgment and the judgment of many experts that I've talked to, the whole system from the courthouse to the streets needs not reform as Dr. Ronnie Dunn said when he was interviewed last week, but it needs transformation. Yeah, I mean, if we're trying to reform a system that's already broken at its roots, then it's never going to be able to be fixed. We definitely need transformation. Also, it's, it's, it pays it pays for us to pay attention to what is said and not said, right? Not said being an emphasis needed to be put on that. Because when we say that this 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 shooter in Louisville was a star athlete, we're saying with, with multiple concussions, we're saying the concussions might have a role in this. When we're saying Trey Mar, Trey Mar, Trey Mar, right? was killed or murdered, not even killed, just murdered, because he had traces of drugs in the system, marijuana in the system. We're saying that marijuana might have a role in him being murdered. And people think that is small, it is not small. We're shaping the narrative in which we talk about the murdering of a black soul, while we are also shaping how we see this white man who murdered many souls. And that those, those shapings are not circles and squares, but innocent and guilt. Yeah, Mayor, we are. I mean, and it's subliminal. 
right? It, it, it's, it's subliminal. And so before you know it, you starting to, oh, Trayvon Martin had marijuana. Maybe he did deserve to die. Or this guy, surgeon, oh, he had concussion. So that triggered him to kill. We should feel sorry for him. Like it's, 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 it's stoking you to feel empathy for one and not the other. And that's the problem here. If they were always gonna highlight the best side of everybody that was in the criminal justice system, then have at it. But that is not the case when it comes to describing a black person, whether they're the victim or the alleged you know, assailant. They do not paint this flowery picture for black America and other people of color. And you're right, we do need to pay attention to this and call it out. You know, Just absolutely call it out. We just gotta not continue to accept that we're gonna continue to be vilified no matter what side we're on. They get the right to vilify our, our people. So yeah, we're gonna keep pushing on that. Now, low income communities be damned. So when we say the system is rigged, sisters and brothers and family and friends, this is the example of what we mean. This headline right here, regulators stiffed low income communities in the SVB bailout. So we're gonna go a little deeper in this. The government rescues Silicon Valley Bank's wealthy depositors, but but they are cutting programs to neighborhoods, money and funding to neighborhoods. Not good. So this right here, when federal banking regulators bailed out Silicon Valley Bank's wealthy depositors and gave its new owner a $17 billion discount. It turns out they offered no such rescue to another group impacted by the bank's historic collapse, low income communities to whom it had promised billions in lending. This reporting is coming from The Lever. Rebecca, thank you. The Lever is doing the daggone thing. Go ahead, David Sirota and Team Lever. Banking regulators said this week that these pledges ended with the failure of the bank, evaporating an expected source of affordable mortgage and small business loans in California. The move could leave thousands of planned Bay Area affordable housing units in jeopardy at a time when a quarter of of area residents are struggling to find affordable basic necessities and halted a $10 million program to increase home ownership in communities of color. Now thousands, now this, this report, thousands of planned Bay Area affordable housing units are now in jeopardy. The article goes further, federal regulators missed an opportunity to show the American public that they, that they, work in their best interest and not in the interest of the banks. And this is coming from Paulina Gonzalez, who is the executive director of the California Reinvestment Coalition. So again, just laying this out, sisters and brothers and family and friends, and I hope that you are following the dots. Are you following where this is going? That there's always a lot of money and resources to bail out the ultra wealthy, but there is none to bail out Big Mama and Big Papa in the hoods where they are misunderstood all over this country. These things are deliberate, all right? Let me just repeat this. Banking regulators said this week, all right? The banking regulators said this, Mayor, not somebody off the street. The banking regulator said this week that these pledges ended with the failure of the bank. But the banking regulators didn't say that the failure would happen and they wouldn't back up the the billionaires in this. But when it comes to helping the hood people, it's all gone, it's eva- it evaporated. So this is an example of a system failing the people deliberately. One more point, when banks want to merge, regulators are supposed to consider several factors, including whether the deal entails any benefit to the public and whether they pose risk to the stability of the financial system. But in practice, regulators typically perform only a perfunctory public interest analysis before rubber stamping the deal. From 2006 to 2017, the Federal Reserve did not reject a single one of the nearly 4,000 merger applications it received. Now keep that up. Put the mayor up, mayor, this is in fact part of the problem. It, it, is, it is the problem, sis. 
It is the problem. Poor people being left out to drown. People, we know the housing crisis that exists in California where people cannot afford to pay for housing. Yet it's still, we see super rich people getting a $17 million discount to merge super big and rich businesses is absolutely disgusting. How do we tell people, how do we continue to tell people that government is on their side when we see them being left out in this manner? Dodd-Frank being enacted should have protected people from this. It was the federal government that said these depositors and this bank was safe. Yet and still, we saw that it wasn't safe and their habits and tactics were tacky. And it left poor people to drown and people will be made more homeless. So we see this merger, this, this merger, this buyout that is upheld or upheld by the federal government, protecting rich people who don't need protection and leaving poor people to be homeless. So it is expanding poverty. This $17 billion bailout by these people tax dollars are being making more people homeless is disgusting. Since I don't know what to say in this matter, except for you can't call yourself a government of the people and by the Come people on. and for the people when That's you're it. only protecting the 1% and leaving people to die and starve without protection. Basic necessities in this manner is disgusting. It is, man. That is the word disgusting. And a point that you made about the whole notion that corporations only matter. I mean, this is the corporate states of America. I mean, it's clearer and clearer that they are doing the bidding. I mean, when you got the federal regulators, and I hope that our viewers understand what we are saying here. The federal government makes the rules. They control the rules. And so they are allowing this to happen. Now, government. And, and in this case, we're talking particularly about the federal government. It's supposed to ensure that abuse does not happen in this way. And they're supposed to protect the public interest. And that is the interest of all of the public, not just the ultra wealthy public, but all of the public. And they are failing. You know, I want, I want people to think about the federal government or any level of government, but we're focused on the federal government as the referee in a game. Pick your sport. The referee. Is supposed to watch the game. Am I right, man? They suppose, and it's several referees on on the court, on the field. Several. It's not just one because there are angles that one referee may see that the other referee doesn't see. Is that? Am I right? Am I tracking so far? You've read it. And, and the referee is supposed to make sure that it is a level playing field. Period. That not one team has advantage over the other team in terms of the rules of the game. Now, some teams might might have players that are a little more athletic or this or that, but in terms of just what the basic rules of the game are, the referee is supposed to make sure that it is played fairly. And if in fact a referee or group of referees sees a player doing something wrong that transgresses, that goes against the social contract or the rules or in our case, a social contract, the referee would Call the file. Now, Mayor, am I right or am I wrong? Yeah, I, I think I, I, I love that analogy. And it's not just because I like sports. That is a perfect way for America to digest what's happening here. The regulators who are also the referees as it pertains to how we handle our monies in this country are not doing their job. They're turning a blind eye to the files of corporations at the expense of poor and working class people. You can't leave people homeless because rich people are being reckless. That is yeah. travel, that is foul. Matter, matter of fact, that is a flagrant foul, and they should be ejected from the game of what we call life. This is not okay at all. That part, Mayor, ejected from the game. In other words, in the case, the example that we're talking about, banks can't be too big to fail. Stop letting them merge. Stop check the books. Don't do a perfunctory review, do a deep dive review. And if there's not community benefits in this, then damn it, you got to go. You're out the game. You're done. Goodbye. But you know why they can't do that? Because the owner donors are in control. That's why, because the referees are being paid off. That's why they can't do it. 
So we, we ain't gotta put up with this, man. We're gonna go a little further. Bank mergers are often painted as good. And we can see in this case, they, they're not good. Good for business and good for consumers, but that is rarely the case. Often, and this is coming from Director Paulina again, often we hear the rationale from regulators that a merged bank is a stronger bank. Silicon Valley Bank really calls that into question in real time. This just happened. Just happened. So they need to create some different rules. And it is within the power of the federal government since they created the rules in the first place. Don't let these people pretend that they're helpless. And that's the thing that gets to me maybe the most about situations like this is that they act like they're helpless as if the businesses created the rules, which in some case they do because the lobbyists go there and they lobby and they get to write the rules. However, how this is supposed to work is that the federal government writes the rules and then they regulate and then they call the files, but that is not happening. I mean, there is one spot of good news in all of this. According to the article, President Joe Biden's administration has signaled, they need to do more than signal, but I'm gonna put it out here, signaled it may revisit the rules for reviewing bank mergers. Last year, the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, one of the agencies involved in approving the deal, solicited comments on whether the approval framework should be updated to account for the risk of increasing consolidation in the banking sector. They need concrete hardcore regulation needs to happen. I don't even know why they signaling. But I'm gonna put it out there because Rebecca put it in her story. So I just decided I will put it out there. But they need to do this mayor post haste without fail and with no excuses. Yeah, I mean, let's, let's be honest. So most people think about legislation in this country, thinking it needs to go through Congress, it needs to be ran through Congress. But when you're talking about an administration or, or, or agencies, the administration does not need Congress approval for new laws to govern those administrations. The FDIC can be handled immediately. So the fact that they may review something is disgusting and also lackluster. I'm not feeling the burn on this issue, not at all. I want to feel the burn in the terms of Bernie Sanders' progressive ideas and thinking as it pertains to what we are doing to protect poor and working class people against moneyed interests. The owner donors are showing their power when they can do this and show up this recklessly and still get bailed out to the tune of $17 billion. It's reckless. Reckless and immoral. I'm gonna say amen to that. Hopefully we got a whole lot of amens out there. This is your time to send in your comments. Let all this marinate and the mayor and I will be right back after this. And welcome back to the show. Hopefully you letting this stuff sink in, the lessons we were teaching. Uh, the Webby Awards, TYT has been nominated and you have until April the 20th to vote. Help TYT win that award, do that. Nominate at tyt.com slash vote or put your smartphone up right now. Catch that Q code baby and vote. It'll be April 20th before you know it. And the progress report, if you have not already subscribed to the TYT weekly morning newsletter, the progress report every morning, go ahead and subscribe. They put that news out there in ways that you will not find by any other publication. So get the progress report, progressive news and inspiration every weekday morning. Scan it right there, put that smartphone up and capture that Q code. And as you know, but I'm gonna say it again, just in case you got a friend or a friend of me, you wanna let know they can catch Unbossed. Now you can catch us live and in living color. You can catch us on video on demand. And you also can catch us as a podcast wherever you get your podcast. So go ahead and do that thing. Now to my favorite part of the show. We're gonna start with TYT member comments. Lynn, hey Lynn, Nina, thank you and the mayor. More and more Americans are getting it, keep the faith. Thank you for that, Lynn. Mayor and I were just discussing that during the break. Sometimes it's hard to believe that more and more Americans are getting it, but I'm taking it. We're gonna take that from you, Lynn. That is our hope, but we're working towards that because it ain't. We ain't just hoping. We gotta put some sweat equity on this thing. And on Twitch, thank you, Detroit Dragon, for subscribing for six months. Way to go, Detroit Dragon. Do that thing, baby. And on YouTube, super chat. You don't like my music, Nina, the queen. Thank you, baby, for that. I received that. You know, I ain't for you know monarchies and all. 
But if they has to be one, y'all know what I say. I definitely want to be the queen, no doubt about it. And Sammy, if watching Senator Nina Turner on Friday is wrong, if having Mayor Mondale as a co-host is wrong, then I don't want to be right. You better say that, Sammy. <laughs> you better say that, Sammy. Woo, Sammy, I know that's right, baby. Sammy didn't tell it. We're just gonna say amen and go on to the next story. Oh, Florida is coming to a state near you. I hate to say these things. Ron DeSanctimonious was added again specifically last night while everyone was asleep. This dude, this dude, this dude, this dude. The story from last night, just before midnight, is as follows. Republican state lawmakers, which control both legislative chambers in the state sent Senate Bill 300 to DeSantis's desk in order to bar the medical procedure after just six weeks of pregnancy before most people know they are pregnant. Wasting no time, the governor signed the bill just before midnight. Now, earlier this month, the bill passed in the Florida House of Representatives by a 70 to 40 vote on Thursday afternoon. The Florida Senate has a GOP majority. While the law will not go into effect immediately, the legislation is designed to replace an existing 2022 Florida law prohibiting abortions after 15 weeks of pregnancy with a six week ban containing exceptions for victims of rape, incest or human trafficking in cases of fetal fatal fetal abnormalities or to save the pregnant person's life. The reaction is not good, obviously. Let's take a look. We got Lauren Book. Florida Republicans have now passed a dangerous abortion ban through both the House and the Senate, choosing to disregard the pleas of women and doctors entrusted with their care, including two mothers in my own district, forced to the brink of death following miscarriages due to the state's current restrictive laws. Now, things will get much worse. Women have been stripped of their rights and access to life-saving health care. Women will undoubtedly die. This is not freedom. Put the mayor up, Mayor. We just go ahead and start and have this party right now. Uh, abortion is a medical procedure. Right? That that's just it. And what these legislators don't understand is that them putting their religious take on this thing is not what they were supposed to do. But let me just go ahead and say this, being a Christian woman that I am, my mama was a preacher, my siblings and I went to church eight days a week. And I was certainly taught in church, put the mayor back up please. You know, taught in church, you know, that abortion is wrong, right? I served in the Ohio Senate, I never once legislated my religious belief. So let's put that in the parking lot. These fools did this in the dark of night, Right, And they call themselves pro-life, but what they really are are pro-birth. And if your baby is born in Florida, get ready because the dictator governor there does not want these babies to learn about black history. Hello, somebody. Okay, this governor here wants to control every educational apparatus in the state. So he want to be governor, but he also wants to be the secretary of education. This governor right here will waste millions of dollars instead of investing those dollars in the needs of the people of that state to put migrants on a plane, on a damn plane and send them to Martha's Vineyard. This is the kind of governor that Florida has. And man, we can keep enumerating. This fool right here is dangerous. He is anti, they not even, they pro-birth, they not pro-life. Because if they were pro-life, they'd make sure that the mamas and daddies of these babies had good jobs that they could, you know, feed their families, support their families. That's 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 what somebody that cares about life would be doing. They just want to control women, control their bodies, control communities. The man is 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 a dictator. As far as I'm, he's a dictator in the state of Florida, and he's gonna run. He's going to run for president of the United States of America. And in my humble opinion, forget humble. In my opinion. In my fiery, fierce opinion, I believe this dude is more dangerous than Donald J. Trump. Hey, and, and, and anybody that don't believe with that, that statement you just made that he's more dangerous than Donald J. Trump, don't understand politics. The reason Donald Trump was dangerous is because of his willingness to lie to the That's public right. and the public to buy into it. The reason Santas, the Santas is more dangerous is he understands the political systems and how to do harm. 
do harm to people. When you say that these people are not pro-life, it is evident in how they show up on a daily basis. The idea that this law was passed in the shade of night, almost at midnight is absolutely disgusting. It also reminds us that this idea of freedom of religion, the Republicans don't care about it. Because the fact that my freedom of religion should not impede on somebody else's religion. So there you go right there. You can't say that you have you care about freedom of religion when you're impeding or forcing my religion or your religion on other people. That is not freedom of religion. That is you trying to control the narrative. What's disgusting about this is these same pro-life people are trying to put in elevators and escalators to the death penalty. If you care about life, you care about life in all aspects of it, they don't. This is so scary to me because women, women, white women specifically are supporting this person at rates higher than they're supporting candidates that are anti-abortion. I mean, I mean, oh, I'm sorry, pro-abortion. And that to me is scary. When you're taking a women's choice at this manner, when we know women are taking care or almost ostracized at rates that are unmatched by any other demographic, we are, we are saying to women that your life don't matter. Your lives don't matter as long as Republicans can have their freedom of religion, as long as people like DeSantis and Trumps and the entire Republican Party, because their refusal to stand up to this type of legislation. Is muted. It's muted. And we we are all responsible for this when we don't fight against it. Democrats and Republicans alike. I said, man, I mean that they just want women barefoot and pregnant. But then they ain't gonna do nothing for the child when the child is here. They'd rather the child starve, not have universal meals in school. They mothers and fathers won't have good jobs. They'll have to work five jobs to make ends meet and then not be able to spend time with the children that they brought into the world. Abortion is a healthcare issue. And you don't have to be jumping up and down for it. You don't have to be pro it to understand that women's freedoms are being impeded here. And you know, the other point, this supposed to be the party of less government and more freedom. They are showing themselves all over this country only to care about the type of freedom that they deem is okay. But other than that, they want big government. And especially in this case, they want government big enough or small enough, depending on how you look at it, to fit into a woman's womb. Also, this point right here, Mayor, they a lot of times abortion, is linked to economics, is also linked to some health crisis or need that the woman may be having or that the fetus may be enduring at the time. And when you are so arrogant and so immoral that you would challenge what a doctor, these doctors are saying, don't do this. And then in some states they criminalize the doctor, the doctor can go to jail and face you know, prison time. And that puts a woman's life in jeopardy too. So now this dude is, an, is, a, is a medical doctor too now. So I mean, I mean, yeah, you, the Republicans, y'all complicit in this nonsense with this dude. And he doing all manner of things in Florida that we should never want to happen all across this country. He, the, I'm telling you, he must never become president of the United States of America. But we're gonna keep going on. The GOP in Florida doesn't care about women's health or their well-being. That is established. And it's not just about what they did in the darker night for abortion. It's about every other thing that would enhance that woman's life and therefore enhance her family's life or her community's life. Or if she's a family of one, hell, she deserves to live a good life too. These people are not pro-life by any stretch of the imagination. And this goes beyond abortion. But let me remind you that this week, Black Maternal Health Week, and just this week, this happened in Florida. Florida woman denied abortion, miscarried in hair salon bathroom, lost half her blood. Emergency room doctors had sent Anya Cook home due to the state's 15 week abortion ban. A nurse gave her antibiotics and promised to pray for her. Put the mayor back up, thank you. Mayor, really? 
Seriously, now I, I'm trying. I'm trying not to curse like a sailor right now. But there are some situations where we cannot continue to be cool, calm, and collected. And what I want our viewers to understand is this: this is just an example. This is a glaring example of the immorality and the hatred and the disdain that these people have for people living in that state that are in need. We're talking about abortion on this, but fill in the blank with something else if you want to. Listen, this is disgusting. It reminds us. That America was a country that was built for white men and married white women and the protection of the two. If you are a white woman that shows up that's not married, if you are a white woman that is lesbian, if you are Come a full white woman, if you are a black woman, a woman of color, then the laws are showing you that it does not care about your life. The fact that this woman is God. in her hair salon and almost died, God. died because of legislation purposes, not by doctors, not by doctors. I'm, I'm gonna send you home and pray for you. And pray for you. Makes me wanna cry through my skin. How is this 2023 and we're dealing with this? We know what was going on before abortion laws were made legal when people were having back alley abortions to protect their economic situations and other reasoning. This is where we are right now. This is disgusting beyond belief. I cannot. Here I mean, there was coat hangers. I mean, they really are taking us back, coat hangers. And remember, they were called backyard uh, abortions. I remember when I was in the legislature and they had the heartbeat bill coming through the Ohio General Assembly. It didn't pass when I was in the legislature, it has since passed. But at that time, here I am, and I'm fighting like hell. And Republicans had super majorities, but it didn't pass at the time that I was there. But I introduced the bill to control a man's reproductive health. To I mirrored what they put in that heartbeat bill, but took it in a in the other direction to show how stupid and asinine this is. How many let America? Let's ask and ask and answer the question: How many bills are introduced and passed to regulate a man's reproductive health? How many? How Season. how many bills are introduced and passed? To regulate a man's health. So I introduced the bill, and there were some other like sisters all across the country. We started doing the same thing. And I can't tell you how many women wrote in to me. I even got old-fashioned handwritten letters, which I loved so very much because it's so rare that people will do that. But emails, but women of a certain generation told the very story that you're telling right now. It's told the story of how you know they had to have a they needed an abortion they were poor and they had they went they went and had a back alley abortion some of them could never have a baby ever again because of that moment why because it was not allowed if you were a wealthy person you could fly off somewhere but if you poor you could not do it some of these women told stories about a time where women couldn't get credit cards you know they were sharing a generational story unless they husband signed off on it for them this is the kind of time that these mofos are trying to take us back to, Mayor. And that is why I want our viewers to understand this story is primarily about access to abortion, which is a healthcare right. But fill in the blank for any other thing. They coming for the thing that you care about if you sit back on the sidelines and let them do this. You don't have to be, look, I don't know people that are pro-abortion. I know people that are pro-choice. That's that's what I know. You know, and even for these religious people who say they believe in God, even the good Lord gave us choice. And they want to take away choice. They are taking away choice. Hell. That's what they doing. I, I'm just I'm totally, totally disgusted. So y'all get that. The headline said it all. I was gonna go deeper, but hell, Sachi telling us we gotta move on. But what happened to that woman in the Florida salon? It, the mayor said it, damn it, it's, it's disgusting. I am up in arms right now. I would, again, I would throw my fire extinguisher, but I don't wanna mess up the studio. So, you know, Ron DeSantis is not gonna stop America. The man, he's not going to stop. All you gotta do is look at how he's abusing power in Florida to see what kind of president this man would be. Don't let him get there. And we already warning you, we warn you time and time again on this show, you heard it. You heard it here, he's got plans to run for president. So no matter how coy he's trying to be, the man is gonna run for president. So he has no plans of stopping now, especially when it comes to immigration. Let's this example, Governor Ron DeSantis, who has previously sent Florida law enforcement officials to help patrol the US southern border with Mexico, continues to paint the immigration debate as a national crisis. He says the nearly 11, 
thousand migrants repatriated from his state since last August are a consequence of the Biden administration losing control of the country's border. Now he wants to try to paint this as an either or and, and, and the other, us against the others. It does not have to be painted in that way. Yes, should we have laws? Absolutely. Yes, should we enforce our laws? Absolutely we should. The way this man is doing it is brewing dissent and tension among people in this country and he's doing this deliberately and by design. People in this country by design, I want you to understand that. The effect of his crackdown, his immigration crackdown has been chilling. Now Ortez, Ruben Ortez is a pastor in D-Land, Florida, whose congregation is almost exclusively from South and Central America, Mexico and the Caribbean. And this is what the pastor had to say about people being terrified. I'm getting calls saying, pastor, can you find someone to take care of our kids if we are deported? Others are looking to return to their country. He goes on, people are basically living in the shadows. These people are just looking for a better life, a better place to live. They already had a horrible journey to the US. They're established and flourishing right now. This is repeating their nightmare and affecting their ability to dream. And that is coming from Pastor Ortiz as reported to The Guardian. Your thoughts, Mayor. Mayor, you muted. Sis, I just don't understand how it says, give me your tired, your poor, your hundred masses to breathe free. The wretched refuse of your team insurers on the Statue of Liberty. And then we allow people like Ron DeSantis not just be elected at a state level, but also run for governor. We are a hypocritical nation when we allow this to be the truth. Ostracizing the minority, the immigrants is anti-Jesus. It's mm. anti-Jesus so-called religion that they believe in. I don't care about how offended the whiteness is. When you sit and say to me and people that you want the masses, the poor, the huddled masses, and then you treat immigrants this way, the aliens this way, then you are anti-Jesus. You are not Christian at all. I hate policies that try and convince people that you are for the people when you're only for whiteness. When you are okay with ostracizing people from our south, our southern borders, which we stole this entire nation from. And I say we, including myself, only because I have an American passport, not because I believe in the policies that carry out these policies. No, I think we have to we have to call these people to 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 the to the carpet and hold their feet to the fire. Not just the Santa's entire Republican Party. I mean, it was Nikki Haley, right. the child of immigrants who's also running for also running for president that said that the Confederate monument deserves a holiday, a month, just like black history. Yes, All of these did. people are toxic and deflating what democracy means in this manner and in 2023. And I feel disgusted, I keep saying disgusted, and I hope people don't think that word is watered down because I use it a lot. But it's factual when we say that it's okay to show up in this manner and people aren't checking it, people aren't acting revolts about this. I am sad, sad that the state of American politics allow people like DeSantis to have a voice. Yeah, I am too, Mayor, this is heavy. I mean, this is, this is deep stuff. So again, as we said, when we opened this segment, Florida coming to a state near you, this is not what the United States is supposed to be about. We don't even, Lord, don't even get me started. We're gonna come back, we're gonna keep following this stuff. We will have plenty to say about the sanctimonious. Now we're gonna go to some good news, good news, good news. Let's let's, let's woosah for a minute. Yeah, we're gonna reset, this is good. Minnesota Dems advanced bill to ban elections interference by multinational corporations. Hello, Minnesota. The Democracy for the People Act will help put power back in the hands of citizens, said one campaigner. Campaigners who have long pushed cities and states to adopt bans on Ford corporate interference in elections applauded Friday after the Minnesota House of Representatives passed legislation that would make the state the first to prohibit foreign influence corporations from spending money on electoral campaigns. You better say that Julia Conley of Common Dreams. Go ahead, Minnesota. 
The provision is part of the Democracy for the People Act and it passed 70 to 57 along party lines. No surprise, damn there. The national nonprofit organization Free Speech for People successfully advocated for Democrats in the state house to include the new rule, which would prohibit companies with at least a 5% ownership stake by multiple foreign owners or a 1% stake by a single foreign owner from spending money in Minnesota state and local elections, you better say that. The companies would also be barred from donating to super PACs. Hello, somebody. Multinational corporations are corrupting representative democracy by drowning out the voices of the people. The Democracy for the People Act will help put power back in the hands of the citizens. This is coming from Alexandria and she is the campaign director of free speech for the people. And many thanks to representative Emma Greenman, she worked closely with this group to help bring this bill to the, not only to the floor, but all the way through. And I want you to take a listen at some of her remarks. Mr. Speaker um, and members, I'm grateful to be here today to present uh, House File 3, Democracy for the People Act. And I'm hoping given our last three bills went so quickly that this one will also go quickly. <laughs> This is a comprehensive democracy legislation that invests, protects, and strengthens Minnesota's best traditions of voter participation, sound election administration, transparency in government, and grassroots people-powered democracy. This package of common sense solutions rests on the simple premise that our state works best when Minnesota voices are at the center of our democracy. All Minnesotans, Black, brown, indigenous, white, metro, greater Minnesota, suburban, rich, poor, Democrats, Republican, independents, and folks with no party at all. Minnesota voters, not corporations, not foreign influences, not outside forces, are at the center of our democracy. Minnesota voters are at the center of our democracy. She enumerated almost everybody. She even said the people with no party at all. That clip coming from CNN. Mayor, this is the way that it should be. And I just wanna put up Democracy for the People Act just for folks to get a glimpse of it. This is a critical moment for our democracy. Democracy was squarely on the ballot. In 2022, Minnesotans of every race, generation, religion, or region and background turned out not just to cast their vote, but to protect it. Voters sent a powerful message. They rejected the extremism of politicians. They did of politicians who, you know, just don't care about strengthening the democracy. They did. It was a rejection. So the overview, strengthen the freedom to vote, protect Minnesota voters and democratic institutions, empower Minnesota voters, not foreign influence corporations in our elections. This is certainly, Mayor, a model for other states to follow. And hell, ultimately, we need the federal government to have real true finance, campaign finance reform. Yeah, I think this is what this is what when we talk about state rights, I love this term of state rights. When we say money has no place in our politics, this is what we do. Greenman killed it when she said, when she said, this is this is a place for people, not money. Come the fact on. That 1% of foreign 1% foreign ownership excludes you to have a say in our elections is how you get money out of politics. So Democrats at the national level on to Justin Jones. Oh, go ahead, man. Democrats, yeah, Democrats who take money. This is how you take money out of politics. Those at the national level who keep telling us our hands are tied and we can't do anything. You just saw how it happens. This is a beautiful act of resilience and also rejection to the owner donors. I love it. Yeah, it is big time. I mean, just wonderful. And it's nice to report some good news for a change. You know, um, when it comes to something like this, so we're gonna go, team. Just in case y'all might have heard me, I'm, we're going to Justin Jones uh, in the great state of Tennessee. Now that Representative Justin Jones is officially back in Tennessee state legislature, he is ready to follow through on his promise. Take a look at this. And so I want to thank you all for being here today, particularly the young people who are the heartbeat of this movement. It was students taking, walking out of classes and taking to this Capitol that led us into the well that day, calling for common sense gun laws. And the first thing I do when I walk into this building as a representative is to continue that call for common sense gun legislation. 
Here it is, and the majority of the American people want common sense gun legislation, including gun owners themselves. The only people who don't want that are the people who are controlled by the gun lobby. Hear me clearly when I say that. And every time we do a story about guns and how they are abused and how these folks act like the second amendment is absolute. We're gonna continue to remind you that most gun owning Americans want common sense gun reform. And the only group does not want it is the owner donor control politicians. Check out this tweet from Representative Jones on his new legislative proposal. File to protect kids not guns act today because action can't wait. This comprehensive legislation will enact common sense gun policies already working in other states to reduce gun deaths and make it harder for everyday people to possess military grade assault weapons. For the love of God, I don't know why we need military grade assault weapons on our streets. The Tennessee Holler knew Senator at Charlene Oliver and Rep Brother Jones have filed the Protect Kids Not Gun Act right there. And here's more on the House on House Bill 1580, otherwise known as Protect Kids Not Gun Act. Rep Jones on Thursday filed legislation that would impose stricter regulations on firearms and ammunition ownership, upholding his vow to continue fighting for gun control following the Republican vote to expel him. Mayor, your thoughts. I love the ability and the thought of this young elected class to to to, to say to white supremacy, you will not silence me, you will not shut me up, and your tactics to expose me will have my people put me back in position to run my mouth louder. These brothers are more empowered to do just what they're supposed to do, and that's justice. I'm happy, happy. Uh. I am too, and they did it quicker. He didn't waste any time. He might as well have just walked on in there and say, "How you like me now?" You know. And thank God the GOP cannot never expel him for the same thing again. So this is beautiful how he's flexing his muscles, and to have a partner in State Senator Charlene Oliver is a beautiful thing too. Jones and Oliver Bill would among other changes ban the possession of large capacity magazines defined as an ammunition feeding device with capacity to accept more than 10 rounds. The Nashville shooter who killed three young children and three adults at a Nashville Christian Christian school last month fired more than 150 rounds in a matter of flipping minutes. Disgusting, Mayor, to quote you for today. Furthermore, the new legislation would also add restrictions on who can sell guns and require that Tennesseans under an extreme risk protection order, meaning they're deemed a threat to themselves or others, immediately surrender all firearms and ammunition in their possession, as well as any handgun carry permit to Tennessee authorities. Thank you, Jake Johnson. How many dreams for reporting this? Go ahead on Representative Justin Jones. Justin Pearson, Representative, we're looking at you too. That is our time for today. But the mayor and I were absolutely thrilled to bring you some news you can use this Friday, baby. And by the will of God, we will be back next Friday doing the same thing. Tune in to the same station. Now, you know what we want you to do about this time. We always, always, always want you to keep the faith. Need you to marry that faith with some fight, baby, always until next time. Thanks for listening to Unbossed. If you like the show, then you'll enjoy our other podcasts on TYT Network, like The Damage Report with John Iderola, Indisputable with Dr. Rashad Ritchie, and The Young Turks. Make sure to listen and follow, and if you like what you hear, give us a five-star rating.